Welcome to the first edition of the Career Conversations podcast, brought to you by Hunter Recruitment Group. Pretty proud that our first guest is Pierre Malou, a friend of mine for a number of years, and he's currently the CEO of the Newcastle Business Centre. This is a great chat with Pierre. We talk about his career, moving from France, and he really shows his clear passion for startups. We also find out some great advice from Pierre when we put him in the Career Conversations time machine. So check that out at the end. So here we go, chat with Pierre Malou. Today's podcast is proudly brought to you by Hunter Recruitment Group. More than just recruiters, Hunter Recruitment Group understands there are two sides to employment fit. Truly gaining the best information about the role, skills, values and culture required to be success for your business. Hunter Recruitment Group also use higher level interview techniques to really understand a person's motivation, personality style, as well as the skills required to be a lasting employment solution. If you're a business owner looking for real recruitment, labour hire or HR consulting solutions, or if you're an individual seeking better career advice, then you should log on today to www.hrgroup.com.au and find a better employment partner. Hunter Recruitment Group, where it is all about fit. Our guest today is Pierre Malou, CEO of the Newcastle Business Centre. Welcome, Pierre. Thank you very much, Craig. Welcome, and and thank you again for having me today on this podcast. It's been a bit of an honour, actually, I have to say. Yeah, I'm really the, pleased. The, the first one. I couldn't think of anyone better to interview, Pierre. <laughs> I'm really stoked. Thank you so much. Excellent. So I thought I'd start not at the start, but here today. Tell us a little bit about your role and how you came to take this role. Okay, well, the Business Centre is a 32-year-old non-for-profit organisation specialised only in anything business, how to develop a business, transform, start, even stop or close a business. And we provide business advisory services to a large array of, of community members and stakeholders. So... Having said that, we work actually mainly from Newcastle and the Hunter region, but we cover as well the Central Coast and the Mid Coast, all the way up to Foster. And it's a big geographical. There'd be a lot of small business in there. Yeah, it's space. funny actually. I like to say it's a large northern region north of Sydney. Yeah, okay. So a lot, a lot of businesses indeed, and including a lot of new businesses. Yeah. Um, we're in a thriving region, mm-hmm. and with the University of Newcastle, the City of Newcastle, pushing as well for innovation at the minute. There are a lot of people coming and pushing our door to get some advice. So is it is it mainly a startup, or is it businesses that are five years old? Who are you servicing? All businesses. I know. I'm tempted to say even beyond small and medium enterprises. Yeah, okay. It could be a large corporation and one of the division would like to have, say, a workshop around innovation, entrepreneurship. They want to take that into their culture. So a large corporation based in Newcastle could come to see the business centre and say, what type of workshop do you have? How can I actually motivate my team or middle management with innovation and, and say, leadership? But... To be more precise and, and honest with you, we mainly work with small businesses and very often at the entry phase into the business life. I've got an idea. I can turn that into a business yeah, and okay. a valuable one. So why is Pierre seeing me today? <laughs> well, it's funny because actually, and we all know each other very well in terms of, of our, the community around the Hunter region and Maitland particularly, and being entrepreneurs. And I think it's just a link between my passion for small businesses, for entrepreneurship, innovation, 
and finally a place where we give a lot and I, I have a chance to return and give back to all the things I've learned over the last 17 years in Australia, for instance. So sort of a match in heaven where I was really keen to bring some of my experience to others, but through the right organization and a business center being profit for purpose, let's say, yeah. large enough to have 20 staff, including you know 16 advisors to um, to all businesses and, and covering such a large footprint, I felt was absolutely perfect match for me. Yeah, okay. It's uh, I can't take the credit. I, I'm in recruitment and I know someone else put you into this chair, but uh, geez, what a great job they've done. I can I can see how valuable, valuable a resource you'd be to a small business. How, how much do you get involved in working with small business or are you now as CEO more managing the staff and the process and the business? Well, and you know that very well, Craig. It's business is all about relationship as well, and building relationship, trust, and rapport. You may have not have that job that brought me to the business center, but our rapport, our relationship, goes back six years ago now, and that's what you built your business upon with other businesses. It works as well within the business. Yeah. I'm absolutely convinced that a business thrives with its people, and to answer clearly your question. It's all about building rapport with my team. I'm not a big fan of hierarchy. For good governance, we need one. Yeah. When we have a large not-for-profit with a board of nine directors and a CEO, I'm as well the company secretary, yeah. it means there's governance required. So obviously there's hierarchy and, and somebody has to call the shots. But beyond that, I like to work with my team like I did with some startups. Yeah. We build a narrative. So at the business center, it's not about looking back in the last about the last 32 years, but more about, okay, this is where we're at now. Where do we want to go the next 12 to 36 months and build that story with whomever is within the team? So I don't see my colleagues as, you know, someone reporting to me or a trainer, an educator, a business advisor, a secretary. I see that as co-founders yeah. of a startup. What's amazing, though, is... The business center being well established with a strong base of clients, and shall I say, more than 25,000 alumni businesses been through our doors over 32 years. So we have that base that a startup wouldn't have. But in terms of, I was about to say, 32 year old startup, is that what you like? Yes, probably. <laughs> that's, how I, that's how I actually look at the business. So that's interesting. So you're bringing startup mentality to a 32 year old business. How effective is that? that wow, that's a great question. Maybe I'm totally mistaken here, but it's just, okay, I'll, I'll take this, this analogy. When you're a teacher at school and say you're 10, every year in February, you have a new class starting. Yep. And every year, they're 16-year-old. Yep. You're getting older, yep. but th those students coming, they're always 16 Sorry. because you do year 10. Yep. When you're in business, and particularly with new customers, or let's say for us, new businesses every week, comes someone here who has a new idea. Regardless of their age, their gender, where they're from, or their experience, these business intenders, they're fresh, they're passionate, they're innovative. If we were bringing an, an old grumpy old daddy mentality to our relationship, it wouldn't work. Every week we have to be as fresh as they are. Yeah, that's really so cool. our clients, and every customer starts a new relationship fresh. Yeah. So a customer experience is totally based on being fresh. Mm -hmm. yeah. We're bringing experience through the organization, 32 years, but all of us 
we have had a business, we've actually managed or ran a business ourselves, so for our own experience, but we go fresh into each week. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I like that analogy. I think about it for my own business that you know, we've been going for nearly eleven years, but I'm sure a customer that comes through the door tomorrow has no historical reference to think about that. So they're coming in fresh with what so their experience today should be the same as experience as customer uh, 10 years ago, but in reality it's not because I've evolved. And so you've evolved or your business has evolved over 32 years. So that's a really interesting uh, I think process. we yeah. choose, say, a university on reputation yeah, and the alumni, the people that have come out of the, the, the curriculum and have succeeded, and obviously the teachers and the professors there. But in actual fact, each year starts a new year for teachers at uni and with a cohort of 20, 21-year-old kids. Yep. In business, the same. We're going to choose your business over someone else because of your reputation, the yep. brand you built, um, your employees, and your ability to retain good employees. But each relationship starts fresh, mm. but fresh all the time. So when you say, do you bring a startup mentality, in a way, yes, it's bringing this idea that every new relationship is worth developing, start afresh with little baggage, but you have to build a lot and quickly. Yeah, and so the business center there, you're helping businesses to grow and the market and businesses changed in 32 years. So the delivery of um, starting a business would have been totally different in 1980 as compared to today. So that, that in itself is a challenge that someone like yourself who've come from commercialization and a different background would assist businesses. How do you, how does the business center keep abreast of what's new? Oh, that's very intriguing because you nailed it on the head here. In 32 years, everything has changed around us. We know it. Even though we might have not been, you and me, in business 32 years ago, we knew that we were before emails, there was only fax machines and, and so on and so forth. Technology has changed totally around us. What's surprising for some people, it has actually changed the way we do business. Yeah. So we can be pedantic here and say, oh, yes, you still have to sell a product or a service. Of course. And there's an exchange of goods. There's a price tag attached to that. The reality is the way we engage in business these days on online platform without even meeting your customer, yeah. things have changed dramatically. So to keep abreast with, with all those changes, mind you, I think it's because the business center is one of the main institutions I should, um, for your auditors, I should explain that the business center is as well a registered training organization. Yeah. As such, we deliver courses, accredited courses, and one of our flagship program is innovation and leadership. So, but de facto, if you want, we actually provide to our clients and students the tools to understand innovation. It would be sad if we're not keeping abreast with what's going on, particularly trends in business. Yeah. Whether it be tools on, on, in the cloud, um, small and mobile devices, even these days, virtual reality. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, Craig, of all people, you're one of the first who used video recording to change the interview model. And um, one day there'll be VR interviews. Yeah, wow. So, yeah, we try right. to. Keep Leave in your office here. You come into your office here in, in Newcastle and it's it's forward, it's different. It presents not like an office would have 20, 30 years ago. So I think if there's a new entrepreneur coming into your market space, that would be even that first presentation would say that I'm in the right place. 
this yeah. is where I need to learn. Well, that's great. I'm really glad you you, meant, you noticed our space. Um, I think it works. I'm going to say something that I believe works both in private life and, and, and business life. It's to align your values with what, who you are, what you think you can do. Yeah. Um, and in that regard, I thought the business center had a bit of a cognitive dissonance earlier, whereby our services, our team is amazing. But we were stuck in an old building and really very much late 80s, early 90s. By bringing the business here eight weeks ago, which is absolutely fantastic modern place, co-working space, as well as open space for, for our team, it was to really align our values, what we're teaching. So therefore, aligning the talk with the walk. Yep. And it has a massive impact on the perception you just mentioned. Yeah. People walking through, the customer experience, but as well with my team in terms of our ways of yeah. working. Yeah, okay. Yep, so it brings a more modern feel, so modern thinking. We communicate freely, less in silos, fewer emails. We yep. just jump up and go in the kitchen or the lounge room and share ideas. Fewer emails, I'm sure people want that. Yeah, <laughs> particularly, yes, absolutely. So you're pretty passionate about small business, and I've known you for a number of years, and you've always been passionate about small business. Why is a Frenchman sitting in Newcastle? <laughs> uh, it, you know, we all have our story, and... Um, Firstly, here in the region, the Hunter region is definitely my choice. Yep. Okay. I moved to Australia 17 years ago, just after the Olympics. Sydney, you know, was the main city on the planet. Yep. And I had the chance to come in Australia, and I'll explain that maybe, but uh, through a great contract, I was an expat. But after a few years in Australia, and particularly in Sydney, my heart really got attached to the Hunter region. I actually bought a little piece of land, and for weekends, every weekend for years, I said, I commuted. Sydney Hunter, Sydney Hunter. At some point, as Did I said. Did you have land in France, or were you not at in all. a city, big city? I, I was actually medium city, yep. like 70,000 to 150,000 yeah, okay. people, and grew up really in medium high rise buildings. Yep. Um, no, never had land, never had animals. Yeah, okay. Um, but something you know unlocked yep. in my mind here in Australia, and and the next thing I knew is okay. I want to align my values and what I do, and I want to live closer to land and a region that I can feel totally aligned with. Yeah, and that was it. Seven years ago, I moved to the Hunter region. Yeah, okay. Was it a tough process um, moving from France to Australia in terms of visas and all the bureaucracy? It wasn't tough on those terms because I was in a very specific situation whereby my employer was a multinational, yeah, okay. paid everything, had lawyers. and yep. It's the second I, uh, I set foot on those shores that think things really be, become a bit more difficult. Let me explain. It's not so much the visa. I was on a 457, yep. skilled migrant. I was bringing yep. something that was a, a new, but it was alone. Yep. And my management was 20,000 kilometers away. Yeah, okay. Eight hours or 10 hours difference. Yep. Expecting emails and phone calls every day to make sure I was okay. Yeah. But then I would work so all the hours in the building industry <laughs> at the latest 7 a.m. on site. Yeah. Because I came here in the building industry to start with. And then be on the phone or emails with management in, in Europe until 9 p.m. 
10 p.m. Yeah. And I have to say, I like having big nights, seven yeah. hours sleep. Yeah. So that was tough. <laughs> it was short nights for a while. Yeah, okay. Good stuff. And so what, you've got property at the, in the Hunter. You know, you took a role with uh, Maitland Councilware for a while, and that's how we met, Economic Development Officer. Why did you take a role in that space? Uh, okay, so that explains the, how did I come to the Hunter. Um, I was very fortunate. One of the, the companies I work with in Sydney, and I was actually the first hire, yep. I worked with five scientists from the inception of the company. We went all the way to IPO, which means we brought the company to the stock market in Australia. And after that time, it was, you know, re I mean, really intense, four years of working very hard to achieve that. It was almost a burnt out for me, but as well, I needed space. And I thought I need to go on the land I bought be closer to animals and, and the farm. But you never ever end up doing nothing. It's impossible. So yeah. working a lot on the farm, I thought I needed something part-time. Yeah, I was going to say it was part-time. Yeah, to keep myself, you know. But I knew no one in the entire region in terms of business. Yeah. And although I'm not a big fan of networking for networking, it is true, it's reality, you need to have a network. Yeah. Which I mean by that is knowing people, meeting people through work. So I looked around at part-time jobs, and it was this job ad. Maitland City Council, working for Economic Development Officer, three days a week. I thought, that sounds like fun. So, hang on. So you were CEO <laughs> of a construction business, having global reporting into Europe, and then working as CEO again for a... So, um, head of commercialization. Head of commercialization for a central startup business in a, in a veterinarian yep. medical science type business. To working part time as the economic development officer for Maitland Council. That's correct, and they that was very funny. They brought me in for a coffee, saying you have no chance. Yeah, you know, we're looking for someone who has worked with local government, someone who's done proper economic development, not just commercialization. Yeah, um, but you're all a bit different, off center. Let's have a coffee. Yeah, and as you do, uh, you sit down and you go beyond the paperwork. Yeah. I mean, of all people, you know. A resume, particularly until recently, was just a flat piece of paper. Yep. It doesn't show the cracks, the, the shiny bit. It, it only is flat. Maybe video interviews are already better, but nothing replaces face-to-face. -face. It's, it's an interesting concept. I work in recruitment every day, and I tell people that it's a flawed system. Trying to find the right person via a piece of paper is extremely tough, and that's why that component of your your resume or your career history is so interesting that you took this sort of part-time role but a lot of that come down to the motivation that you spoke about that you want to work closer to home you want to connect with people in your region that's important so and you were successful in the role because of that factor not just the skills factor that, that's even i even i'll go one step further craig What's amazing, and, and all kudos to Maitland City Council, particularly the marketing manager at the time and the economic development manager, Rachel McLucas, because what she saw is someone who's not afraid of taking risks and developing new things yeah. through startups. Someone who's saying, wait a minute, I've been commuting every weekend for the last seven years to go to the Hunter, to be on the land, to be with my friends. This is my region. I love it. Yes, I was born overseas, but I'm taking ownership now. And I want to work here, and I want to help others achieve that and to be open and listen to my message which was you know okay never work in government but actually that's your <laughs> thing you'll teach me but if you want me to be economic development officer 
you know, three days a week to meet with people who want to develop their business, I'll drive that because that's my passion. And I believed in Maitland as well. So, and that's probably the answer to your formal question and about where did you grow up? I grew up in a city like Maitland. Yeah, where I was about to say, same size, about 75,000. Same size, with the same type of basketball club. Yep. I know for your auditors it might be funny, but you and I go way back as well because of basketball. Yep. It's our life, okay? Yep. So when you were in a sport and it's your everything, so I grew up in a city like Maitland where basketball was everything. When you leave school, it's safe. You go on your bike, you go to basketball training, your parents don't have to work. And we were before smartphones, parents <laughs> couldn't follow us and track us. But those safe environments are so important for our youth. Yeah. Where parents know what we do. We don't do good drugs, we don't do stupid things. We go to our sports, to our mates. Um, on Saturday, there's community gatherings after the games, parents will catch up. And I relate it to Maitland. I, I relate to the Hunter region. I know there are a lot of um, social issues as well across with people that unfortunately don't access to income and resources, and we want to help them get back to jobs. But Maitland has that field great schools. Lovely feel. Yeah. And so then you went and set up your own business in Maitland. Is that right? Absolutely. So the part-time thing, there's another thing. The part-time job was fantastic and got me access to people I wanted to work with, so a network, yep. an understanding of regional cities in Australia. And as well, you know, it gave me the four other days of the week to develop my own startup. So the passion has always been in sport, always in, in startup. And I wanted to align those things. And that's how I created Smart Sports, and which was all about tech and sport and therefore statistics for football games. Yeah. I mean, soccer. Soccer. Football. We call it football. Football now. these days. Soccer 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, that that uh, app or that business started from scratch. Pierre, from Pierre used his skills, brought in the right people. Where did it go to? So... When you have an idea, Craig, and at the business center here, we see that every day, and we try to share this. The idea, it's hard to convince someone with a great idea that an idea is only 10% of, the, of yeah. your success. Yeah. Execution is almost everything. You need a bit of luck. You need a lot of resilience. Yeah. And so the idea from early on was, how? Oh, what about having a platform whereby I can share my game stats with my teammates, of course, with my coach, but as well my family. So my dad can come to a basketball game, he check up on the app, and here I appear at a good game, score 12 points, five rebounds, two assets. Yeah. Good game. And then from there, obviously, you look at your business model. So it's all about the value proposition. Who's really... It's because you can create lots of products for free. Yeah. Who's sure. going to pay Who's for going to pay product? for it? Yeah. Where's the value? Well, the value was here, okay, out of 100,000 young basketball players or soccer players or football players, what we have is players have potential. Those who are interested in those with potential are scouts yep. and coaches of semi-pro teams. Are they keen to pay and how much are they ready to pay for the program yep. and, and, the, and, and the product? So once again, the idea, you have the idea, you need to start the execution, which is to, to develop, say, what we call a minimum viable product, an MVP, yeah. which is the first app 
So you collect data, you demonstrate data and statistics, but who's going to pay? And that's where all small businesses and new ideas need to absolutely iterate and pivot all the time to get to the point where their idea is valuable to someone and they're yeah, going absolutely. to pay. Absolutely. That's the toughest thing in business, isn't it? Because it you is. can be really passionate. And I, I tell people I give away a big component of my time just to help people. But how do I commercialise that? How do I then put food on the on the plate for my family? That That's a really tough thing. So, um, yeah. So did you learn any lessons from Smart Sports? Yeah. So the product, Smart Sports Solutions, was, is obviously the name of the company. Yep. The app's called Stats One. Yep. And... Those who are the most likely to pay for it early on turn out to be scouts and professional teams. Yep. Where the money is, mind you, obviously, in football, is the English Premier League, EPL. Yep. So although we were, well, we are an Australian-based company, um, very early on, people that were interested in our platform were in the UK. Yeah, so one of our my co-founders, Ben, um, actually moved to, to Europe to be able to serve the market much quicker. Get access. Absolutely. What we learned as well is you need to listen to your client a lot. You may have the best idea and you probably have a better idea than most people about what makes the, the product good. However, only the client is king. Only the paying client is worth you know, tweaking your product for. Yep. And when your client says, I actually need this and this feature rather than this one, you need to do it yep. because they, they pay. The lesson what learned happens there, if that goes against your values? Well, it's not against my value, but the lesson learned here is if you don't tweak the technology very quickly to adapt your product to their needs, Someone else will. yes, you'll be superseded. So yep. the lesson learned for a startup is you can be very agile commercially and try to have all these great sales and commercial relationship but the technology part of your company has to be agile as well yeah. and, and that's something that is difficult do you think that there's that's a big challenge or difficulty for today's startups so if i rewound my clock of 11 years and started hunter recruitment group um how would that be different today in terms of the technology that we use because my business is, I, think, I believe, built much on relationships, people, uh, partnerships that we've created. Can we do that with the same speed or is it too fast in today's marketplace with technology and how do people evolve or keep up with that, I suppose? Do you think that's going to be a challenge moving forward for small business? I think, uh, do you know what? I think it's a challenge on an individual level for younger people to be able to actually be able to decipher or, or separate the good and the bad. Yeah. I'll give an example. We all like LinkedIn. Professionally, it's a great tool. Yeah. Okay. And but how often do you receive invitation from people you never ever heard of or from? Yeah, and you realize they lead generation, lead LinkedIn generation. Yeah. All they want is tap into your own network. There's nothing for you. It's yeah. all for them. Yeah. But they send you this lovely email. Hi, Pierre. I checked your story or your resume or whatever. And it's amazing. It's bullshit. It's not, excuse my French. No, it's okay. I can do that. <laughs> can I French? But I, we need to, to really quickly understand how those tools can be used for a win-win situation, yeah. not just a one-way only. Yeah. So with the example of LinkedIn, I find that absolutely fantastic to accelerate your the growth of your network 
only if it's based on real contact to start with. Yeah. Once you've the basis of your LinkedIn network is from people you know, you want to be in touch with, you, and you don't like to, so meaning what you put in LinkedIn is true, yep. it's much easier to grow quickly through their own trusted friends. Yeah, okay. Just accepting LinkedIn connection for the sake of it is a mistake mm. because the day you want to use LinkedIn as a advertising tool or communication or recruitment tool, yeah, absolutely. Um, you're no longer trustworthy. Yeah. You're just one of those guys with 2,000, 5,000 contacts. Yeah. Don't even know who they're talking to. Yeah. So that's an example. My point is we need to use technology. We need to be very clear about how we do it and that doesn't remove the fact that we need to be smart we trust people and respect people relationships Craig you've built your business on them whether they are online in the cloud or face to face you will still build your business on relationships yeah I believe that too basketball we talked about it it's a common theme between you and I it's a thread that's kept our relationship going you know those things you have to find common threads in relationships to you know, keep things moving forward, even in business. And yeah. I think that's a challenge for younger people that I see coming through. I mentioned that with my business. Would it be different if I started it now? If a 30-year-old Craig McGregor started his business in 2017 and focused totally on digital, would I be as successful? don't know. So that challenge for the younger people to get out there and, and do the offline networking, I think that's a reality. So do you do much of that stuff here at the business centre? The business center, we, we are now redeveloping our digital engagement. Yep. We just hired a, an amazing young lady, an Castrian, who actually went to study overseas at Copenhagen Business School for four years. Wow. And she did a thesis on creative incubators. Yep. So one of those talents that we that went overseas and is now back to, to Newcastle. And, and the digital engagement is about the content. So we wanted someone who understood very well the tools but he's able as well to understand what do we deliver the business content at the business center, pardon me, and, and then deliver that in our digital tools. Yeah. But yet again, it, 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 where we started was actually to remove all the stock photos that are so <laughs> fake yeah. and natural and, and replace them by maybe not as good pictures, but, but real, real ones. Yeah, I love that. That's great. Yeah, we did our website two years ago and that was the whole purpose. No stock photos, make it real, make it about us. Yeah. We are the business, let's promote that. Exactly right. Okay. Well, thank you for your time. Before we finish up, though, I want to put you in a time machine. So we're going to rewind the clock. 20-year-old Pierre. 20-year-old Pierre, what advice would you give yourself if you could go back and talk to 20-year-old Pierre today about your career? Well, the first thing when you say back to 20 years ago, even though, oh, 20 years ago, 20 year old. Yeah, 20 year old. Okay, well, <laughs> almost 20 years ago. Thanks. But the thing is, and I might sound crazy for some of your auditors because of the French accent, but what I can hear in my mind is actually a French guy speaking with even stronger French accent. Yeah. <laughs> but in all fairness, the 20 year old me was too arrogant. Yeah, okay. You need some arrogance in the sense of that yep. self-drive you want to succeed. I miss out on a couple of great mentors. In hindsight, yeah, okay. they were, I know for a fact now, there were two people around me when I was 20, 22 year old, finishing my MBA, 
with business ideas. They were there. They reached out. They gave me a few advice or tried to be there. I ignored them. You couldn't see them properly. Nope. Yeah. That arrogance that I know everything and I have the energy and everything, I missed out. So my advice to anyone 20, find the right balance between that self-esteem, self-drive, which is very important in small business particularly, to drive things. Don't miss out on the one person out there is trying to help you, is putting their hand up saying, hey, do you know what? Why don't you try this? Yeah. Because they probably know well and better. Excellent. What a great piece of advice. Well, thank you so much for being the first uh, person on our Career Conversations podcast. We might have to get you back on in a year or two's time. Thank you so much for having me, Craig. All the best for the podcast. I think it's a brilliant idea. And that shows how you're engaging from a digital perspective with your audience. Well done. Yeah, thank you. Cheers, mate. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Career Conversation podcast. If you would like to start a conversation about your career, simply contact Hunter Recruitment Group today. For more episodes of our podcast, check out iTunes or our Facebook page and simply search Hunter Recruitment Group. Or you can visit our website, hrgroup.com.au forward slash blog.